Hello, it's Erica. And it's Liana, and this is the Night Guys podcast. We're here to join you weekly to cover weird and spooky stuff, supernatural, extraterrestrial, cryptid, culty, true crime. And we're both pretty drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, we have been having so much fun. And (laughs) I'm going to take this moment to say why we've been having fun, Mm -hmm. minus the wine, is because, and our sweet, sweet company, is that we thought it would be super fun to say thank you to all our Patreon members and anyone from more or less now until Halloween, that um, the day of the day, the most holiest of holy days, <laughs> the day of <laughs> I was gonna say our Lord and Savior, <laughs> which I guess applies somehow. It does. Um, uh, we're putting together like a really cool like we love you thank you gift care package I guess yes and we've been picking out all these really fun things <laughs> to put into it it's so much fun like I feel like we did a really good job because we want everything that is in it and made yes. sure there would be extras for us <laughs> <laughs> Um, everything is really cute though. So we're gonna have like cool stickers. We're gonna have really cool writing implements. Mm-hmm. Um, we're Drink going to implements. have. Let's just say something that may or may not keep your cold beverage cold and nice and have your hand dry. You know what I'm saying? And a message from us. A message, and then a special personalized by us mystery gift that is sentimental and sweet yes honestly i'm very excited so if you are a patreon member an existing patreon member or you join between now and halloween you will be gifted one of these little care packages in additional to in additional in addition to- <laughs> you will also get the regular stuff you would yeah, get whatever you items join. you would typically get with whatever tier you decide to join our patreon membership thing at starting at two dollars going all the way up to 20 um but even if you join at the two dollars stage you still get access to all of our episodes and we have over 40 i need to count i really don't know how many we have, have a lot probably maybe almost 50 now a ton of extra episodes plus we're still really behind but we're still doing our choose your own adventure erotic horror novel that we're really bad mm-hmm. at it, but really good at really good at and you guys are part of that you have to help us yes, choose you what choose the direction adventure. <laughs> the adventure goes <laughs> and um videos um oh yeah and we videos. just check in with you guys too and we do um zoom meetings with uh anyone who wants to join and they've been really fun we both look forward that like they're amazing. I love doing them. It's so funny because I look at it first. I'm like, well, it's kind of like I have to do it for the podcast. But then I'm like, I love everybody that comes on there so much that I'm like, this is this is a relaxing, good time for it's me. It's really nice, especially I, during It's a quarantine. social interaction that I actually enjoy. <laughs> yeah, dude. No kidding. And I don't love a lot of social interaction. So. Same. <laughs> that one I like. But yeah, um, now's a fun time to join our Patreon because... We have hand-selected a lot of fun, Mm -hmm. cool things. I really think everyone will like it. Yeah, and since we're approaching our almost two-year anniversary, like, of course, nearing Halloween, that really 
solidifies the need to give something back to you guys. We love you yep. guys so much. So thank you. I can't wait for you guys to get it. I'm excited. Mm, it's going to be a good time. <laughs> it's going to be a real good time. <laughs> I'm really excited. I'm on like, I'm on the high of buying all the things for everybody right Oh, now. yeah. Like sending <laughs> my credit card information. Time. I'm like, oh, yeah, I just ordered some stuff. It feels so good. <laughs> Take I my agree. money. I want to receive packages excited. in the mail. My family's going to be like, why is this happening? I'm like, oh, what are these Especially items. because you wrote Liana Butts on one of them. So. <laughs> yeah, that will get mailed to your residence. Great. So. I should have put, like, uh, I don't know, like, Baroness Liana Butts. <laughs> that would have been better. You really failed. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I didn't do news today because I'm actually planning to head up to visit family um safely i've been quarantining wearing masks my family has been too we're being we're being really careful about it i'm just clearing the air here i need to visit my dad so because of that i've been really ill prepared (laughs) for today (laughs) it's okay it's one of the few times i pre-read so this worked out this is the one time that like you're infinitely more prepared than i am (laughs) Yep. so please give me news oh my god okay so Zombie cicadas infected with mind-controlling fungus emerge. Fucking gross. Can 2020 <laughs> end yet, please? Nope. <laughs> this apparently took place in Nashville, Tennessee. Zombie cicadas Escape may sound, now. <laughs> may sound like something from a bad science fiction movie, but a parasitic fungus is infecting uh, cicadas. The infection looks gruesome, with the large portions of the cicada's abdomen replaced with fungal spores. God. However, the cicada continues on as usual, not really noticing that part of their body is missing. What? Researchers from West Virginia University are learning more about the bizarre ways that the fungus Massapora affects cicada behavior. We spoke to Brian Lovett. We did not. They did. A postdoctoral <laughs> researcher in the Department of Plant and Soil Sciences. Um, according to him, cicadas can be infected early on or during adulthood. So there are two ways they can become infected. One is coming up, and that is something that the nymphs have waited a really long time for their day to shine. Okay. And so suddenly wait, they wait, got wait, infected. Wait. So they don't realize that they have this fungus on them. So that's why this- it's like a zombie. Can it spread to humans? I don't know. Let's because, see. like, is, is this like a tapeworm kind of situation where it infects you and mm. you don't realize it and you're just kind of like sick all the time, but you're like, I, I don't, don't know. know why. There's another type of animal that does this. Like, I think it's in the insect world where it's like very similar. It's like a zombie like, it's ants. virus. Is that it? Okay. It's so it happens creepy. to ants and I don't. I don't like I don't that like it either. either. What is it? That, what if it's the same thing? What if it happens to us? What if this transfers to humans? No. What no. if this is COVID? I'm dying now. <laughs> Part of the manipulation making is a leap. <laughs> to speak to your to the question of like how do they not know this is going on? Is the production of bioactive compounds and another word for a bioactive compound is a drug. So these drugs that the cicada produces or that this fungus produces inside of the cicada, we believe, would manipulate the behavior of them. Um, so some of these uh, compounds are only found in other plants or fungus. In one species, they are producing oh psilocybin, which is the magic mushroom compound. And <gasps> in the cicadas, is producing amphetamines. But for anyone who may be tempted to try to get high by eating one of these zombie no! cicadas, you'd have to eat a very large amount. Uh, why would anyone ever do that? How weird. I hate everything about this. 
Why do we need any more of this shit this year? I don't need any more of this. Nobody it's okay. We're not cicadas. This. We'll be fine. What if it passes to humans? It will not. I don't have the time for that. <laughs> I might. <laughs> Sounds like a vacay. What are we talking about? Time slips. Clap, I'm clap. excited for this one. Yes. So I'm going to start off because I'm going to talk about the time slip theory because I didn't really know much about this. And I found this on an archived website that looks like it's from 1998 and it mm. looks delicious. Love it. Those are my favorite. I know. I respect that they don't update it. It's always great when they're not updated. And then you look at the bottom and it because those type of websites always say when they were last updated. Mm. And it's fun if they're recent. <laughs> and it's I like don't just think a stand there's site any check. recent site activity. Like it is. Yeah, 2012 was the last time it was updated. Maybe they time traveled. They're gone. It's basically an archived site called The Unknown and Beyond. Okay. Uh, okay, so the time slip theory. I'm just going to read directly from here. It's a little difficult to read because they've used a bunch of different fonts, which is not my favorite right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, what is a time slip? A time slip is an alleged paranormal phenomenon in which a person or a group of people travel through time into the supernatural rather than technological or into the supernatural rather than technological means. That is a weird sentence. I think they just mean, like, they time travel. Let's just go with that. Okay. Uh, as with all paranormal phenomena, the objective reality of such experiences is disputed, which is very frustrating because why can't we just believe until it is proven false? Yeah, I do. Let's go with the Fox Mulder yeah, process. Yeah, way of thinking. So the time slip theory works from the premise that time is fluid rather than fixed. So time is not linear as we experience it, but exists within a context of a single point of space. Oh, God, this is going to get complicated. It is a term usually applied when a period of time, maybe minutes or even years, appears to have been lost inexplicably by one or more people and is most commonly associated with a paranormal or extraterrestrial occurrence. Your favorite, Erica. <laughs> Many people have reported such an experience during a journey when the last reliable reference membered, remembered of Wait, the last reliable reference remembered of time is that of a clock striking or a news report on the radio, only to find that the next time the individual becomes fully aware of time, uh, more time than expected has elapsed in right. contradiction. Right, so there's lost time. Yeah, so that's a really complicated way of saying there's yeah. lost time. <laughs> lost time. So basically, that's like the common, I'm driving and I saw bright lights and then I came to and like... It's 40 minutes had passed. Mm -hmm. and that's where people are like, so they're not okay, able to account for it. And many scientists would argue that time cannot be lost, but merely confused for the people that experience this phenomena. It can be far from easily explained as a lapse of concentration or a period of drowsiness or even sleep. Because a lot of these people, they don't just experience like, oh, I just kind of zoned out. Like, no, they fully experience like a completely different thing happening. Right. Because that's also unfair too, because people who have been abducted mm -hmm. they remember being abducted so mm -hmm. it's not like it's not so much that there was lost time it's that where they were it seems time moved differently so when they were returned it's been you know four hours and when they were gone it felt like it was maybe an hour mm -hmm. so exactly. I, I that's not i don't think that's fair i don't either I am completely in concurrence with you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Uh huh. So do you want to share some stories of time slip theory? Because there's really not like a lot of <laughs> it's lost time. People experience different shit in this lost time. Either they gone, right. they've gone back in time, they've gone forward in time, they've completely lost time, and they can't remember what happened in that lost time. Mm-hmm. Like there's all kinds of different reasons and experiences that people have in time. I slips. don't know if one of the articles I have that I read touches on this so it might get repeated later okay but in case it doesn't i remember reading that there were two different types of like time like phenomenons or like slips okay so one was you and i are eating dinner somewhere and then we both experience like a they almost to me seem like glitches where it's Mm -hmm. like it's we're transported we're still in the same seats but the restaurant is now 40 years before mm-hmm. the time that we are in. So, so there's that. So we're experiencing that. a lady in the tramp spaghetti scene. But... <laughs> yeah. And then we go back a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's one where we travel to a place. Mm-hmm. And then there's more of the like paranormal one where some people believe that when ghosts travel and we see them now, they're traveling, mm-hmm. time traveling to our time. Oh. So there's one where we go and one where like a spirit would come to us. Mm, okay. So I thought that was kind of interesting to think of ghosts as time travelers. Mm. Kind of cool. So I never thought of it like really, that. would be really, really awesome if like when we died, we just become time travelers. Yeah. Like sometimes you're able to jump. So I thought it was kind of cool. Okay. So these are um, two, like, smaller, oh, my goodness, time slip cases. But they're well known. Okay. Um, one of them is called The Vanishing Hotel. Yes, please. Love. In 1979, uh-huh. two couples were driving through France on a holiday. Oh. Jeff and Pauline Simpson and <laughs> Jeff. Len and Cynthia Gisby. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Just Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> Joffrey. Looking for a place to stay near Montlamar. They okay. found a motel, but they were mm-hmm. told there were no vacancies and that they should try further down the road. Rude. So they set off and did, and they found themselves driving down a cobbled street. They paused to take an interest in an oddly fashioned sign for a circus. Soon, mm. they came across a long, low stone building. It was an inn. The couples went inside and were shown to their rooms. The windows had no glass in them. They were very simple, wooden shutters, like old school. And the furniture was really basic. There were no pillows, telephones, not anything really modern. Um, After eating a meal of steak and eggs and beer, they retired to bed. Great. At breakfast in the dining room, the next morning, they were struck by some bizarrely dressed individuals. A woman in a silk evening gown came in carrying a dog. It was strange, Pauline said. It looked like she had just come in from a ball, but it was seven in the morning. (laughs) Nice. Oh, that's awesome. I couldn't take my eyes off her. Policemen wearing uniforms later identified to date from 1905 also (gasps) sat down to eat. Yes. Later, paying their bill, the couples were astonished when they were asked for just 19 francs which is just over two pounds, and that means it's like, what, five bucks here or something? I'd be know. like, yeah. <laughs> to cover their stay. <laughs> two weeks down the line, on their way home from the holiday, they decided, let's stay here again. But the hotel, not there. <gasps> Did not exist. And developing what? the roles of film, they snapped with their camera. All the negatives of the photos they had taken while at the hotel were missing. 
baffled, they returned four years later to see if they could recreate what happened and locate it. They couldn't. That's crazy that it wasn't just like one person, but four Four. fucking people. Is that weird? Oh, my God. Like, and why would they make that story up? Because that would make four people out to be assholes. Right. And why go back? And and they tried twice. Uh Uh-huh. That's weird. That's cool. Could you imagine? I would love to have that happen. I love that. The only, the only like gray area that scares me is I don't want to be stuck there. That's yeah. I love that too is much here. horrifying to me. Unless like everybody I care about is with me. Okay, yeah. sure. All my puppies, all my kitties, my family. Yeah, like great. Okay, then I can. Then I won't reach the crazy level of panic I would if it was just myself. If I could drag my cats and Sean and you and Bobby mm. along. I'm sorry. And you guys and baby and animals would all have to come. Yeah. Then it would be like, okay, this is, okay, this I can calm down and I can like, <laughs> and I can now like assess this instead of just go into what the fuck mode. <laughs> I need to get out of here and start shaking people. Get me out of it. And then I feel like the podcast would also be carried on by our Patreon oh. listeners or something. Yes. They would take Or we just get us. those old timey mics and then we find a way to just go over the airwaves. Haunt them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is another one called okay. the White House. Um, okay. Also in the 70s. This was in 71. A pickup truck. Oklahoma. Trundled. Ooh. Up to a cattle pasture near Ponca City, Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> it stopped at the gate. Its occupants, Carl, Mark, and Gordon, had been sent there to pick up a feeder. Carl said, We opened the gate, which was barbed wire with no lock, and entered. We went on the property, which was covered with grass, up to and over the hood of the truck. Okay, drove there. Yeah. Mow that shit, guys. They <sighs> drove their pickup through the grass to the feeder and got out. We realized the tank was almost half full and too heavy to load. We decided to leave and drove around the red barn, and we saw a large two-story white house with no lights in front of us. So they went back to their employer and explained, and their boss said he drained the tank, oh my goodness, so they could pick it up the next day. We went to the location to retrieve the tank the next night. This time, we decided to go through the old white big house on the hill and brought our shotguns. <laughs> what they saw was incomprehensible. The house was no longer there. We walked up the what? hill where it stood, and there were no signs of demolition, no foundation, nothing. What we all seemed to witness the night before was no longer there. We have talked to each other over the years, but none of us can begin to explain wait, wait, the vision. Wait, wait, but then what did the boss say he's probably like you guys are high as fuck i hired losers damn it (laughs) Mm -hmm. well i have a little similar story or not similar but like another little short story okay okay called the battle of necton schmear oh no (laughs) my god It was January 2nd, 1950, Mm. and a cocktail party held 10 miles away in the little town of Brecon. Can we have one yet, please? Nope. This a a party. (laughs) What's wrong (laughs) with me? This party was attended by Miss E.F. Smith, a lady then aged about 55, who was resident in the village of Lechtham. According to her own account, Miss Smith left the party late, having consumed an unspecified quantity of those delicious cocktails. Do not judge her. No, no. She we don't likes drink shame. her beverages. Driving conditions apparently were extremely poor. It was pitch dark, and a fall of snow had been followed by rain. 
Two miles mm. outside of Brecon, Miss Smith skidded her car into a ditch. Clearly, no. she should not have been driving. No. There was, she insisted, no question of her skid having been due to her fainting <laughs> or other lapse of consciousness. Nor had she been injured. Nor had she been injured in any way or concussed. She had to abandon her car, however, and continue her journey on foot. A distance of about eight miles. <laughs> Damn, girl. At yes. that point in the night, I'd be like, I'm sleeping in my car. Yeah, we stay here now. <laughs> this is where we live. <laughs> this is car home now. <laughs> this is my home. <laughs> At least until spring. <laughs> the paranormal experience began when Miss Smith was about half a mile from the first houses of Lethem Village, and it continued until she reached them. The time was getting on for about 2 a.m. Peering ahead, she saw groups of lights moving in the distance, which as she walked on... I need to not drink again. As she walked on, gradually resolved themselves into a shadowy group of figures carrying flaming torches. Miss Smith said they were obviously looking for their own dead. The one I was watching, the nearest obviously. one. Obviously. Why would that ever be obvious? I don't know. The nearest one would bend down and turn a body over. And as if he didn't like the look of it, he just turned it back on its face and went to the next one. There were several of them. I suppose they were going to bury them. Miss Smith had long come to the conclusion that she had somehow witnessed a group of Pictish warriors of the late 7th century circa 685 AD. How did she come to this conclusion? She must be like a bit of a historian or something. That's not the normal part for the course for people. That is so weird. I don't like it. I don't either. This one is also really weird. (sighs) I don't... There is a lot of time travel that happens in England and it's kind of known for it. It is not common here. I feel like they've done something over there that allows for this to happen. Yeah, and specifically Liverpool. Liverpool is like rampant with time slips and it's really strange. I want to look more into it. I don't know why. But before you continue... UK listeners, is there weird shit in Liverpool that we don't know about that you know about? It's like as inherent, uh, yeah. just like native knowledge living there that you're like, oh yeah, Liverpool's fucking weird. Weird shit happens there. Like what? Uh, is that like your Roswell? It. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Okay, continue. All right. So 1996, Frank Frank was out <laughs> shopping and decided to visit HMV to look for a CD. As he walked along near the post office, he suddenly felt as if he'd stepped into an oasis of quietness. He was then shocked to see a small box van reminiscent of the 1950s speed across his path, narrowly missing him and honking its horn. Frank realized that he was now standing in the middle of the road and looking at what should have been Dylan's bookstore. The shop now had crypts on its sign. Inside, uh. he saw upmarket ladies' handbags and shoes. No books. Frank followed a young woman inside and watched in disbelief as the interior snapped back to Dylan's. The girl was still there, and Frank grabbed her arm, asking her if she'd seen the same thing. She replied, yes, I thought it was a clothes shop. I was going to look around, but it's a bookshop. Another incident in Liverpool involved a teenager named Imogen, who went out (sighs) shopping to buy some baby clothes for her older sister, who had just become a mum. Imogen noticed a new branch of Mother Care had opened on the corner of Lord Street, and she went inside and selected some pretty items, including a polka dot bib and a little cardigan. Very low prices. She was surprised. (laughs) However, when she tried to pay their credit card, confused staff told her they couldn't accept it. 
Not having enough cash, she went to another store before returning home. When she told her mom about the mother care, Imogen was irritated to find that her mother refused to believe the store existed as she knew it closed years before and was now a bank. Her mother even banked there. The pair fought and decided to return on the site, and sure enough, <laughs> it was no longer a baby store. It was a branch, uh, like a bank branch. Mm-hmm. Weird! Too bad she didn't have cash. How cool would it be to bring the garment back home? <laughs> so you have it? Like, that would yeah. be so cool. <sighs> Especially if it was like for sure like mm, like a brand that is discontinued like 40 years prior or something, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, how would I have gotten this? And it still has like the price tag on it. So you can't even oh, say like. so awesome. It's um like a thrift store or like fine. Yeah. Oh, that'd be really cool. That'd be really cool. <laughs> I love it. I'd be scared to put my baby in it though. What if it's like a time traveling like cardigan? I was going to say I would just take it away. You're like, bye, baby. <laughs> bye, bye. Bye. Oh, I don't like it. So I have another one. If you want, yes, I can go please. again. Mm-hmm. So this is like a biggie. This is like the one that um is like documented enough where people have bigger arguments over it. Okay. If that makes sense. Sure. Um, this is also in England. Why? I don't know. These are all there. Um, it was in 1957. Um, this is a really weird one. I like it, though. Okay. So this was written by the Smithsonian Magazine. Okay, so it's damn. fancy enough for the Smith to cover it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the Smith. <laughs> so looking back, the really strange thing was the silence. The way the church bells <gasps> stopped ringing as the little group of naval cadets neared the village. Mm-hmm. The way even the ducks were quiet and motionless by the shallow stream that ran across the road where the main street began. Mm-hmm. Um, when the boys thought about it afterward, they recalled that even the autumn bird song faded as they neared the first houses. There was no wind, no sound, nothing. So these three guys are walking up on this town and it gets freaky ass quiet, just like my favorite, one of my favorite scary movies, Dead Silence. Love it. Wait, which one's Dead Silence? That's the one with the creepy lady who is, has all her puppets, her, I was um, gonna say this one with the guys. marionette doll. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's so not gross. bad. It's fun. It's got uh, Mr. Ryan Quentin from True Blood. <laughs> and it's got <laughs> Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> it's a fun one. If you guys haven't seen it, it's it's a good time. I like Is that. It's a good time. <laughs> it's a good time. Oh, my goodness. Um, so the street itself wasn't uh, was quite deserted. Um, mm-hmm. Not so odd, perhaps, for a Sunday morning in 1957, especially since it's a rural town in England. Mm-hmm. But the, like, weird part was that there was nothing modern about it. There were no cars parked in the road. There's no telephone wires that are, like, you know, up ahead, like, up above while you're mm-hmm. walking through. Um, nothing wh- nothing about this place is modern. And they noticed that. The houses on the high street all looked ancient. They were ragged, hand-built, timber-framed. They kind of looked medieval, according Mm -hmm. to the boys. Um, The three of them were all Royal Navy cadets. They walked up to the nearest building and pressed their faces to the grimy windows, and they could see that it was some sort of butcher shop. But what they glimpsed in the interior was even more unsettling. This is what they recalled. They said there were no tables or counters, just two or three whole oxen carcasses, which had been skinned, gross, and in places were really green with age. So this is like old meat laid out in there. 
There was a green painted door and windows with smallish glass panes, one at the front, one at the side, and rather dirty looking. I remember that as we three looked through that window in disbelief at the green and moldy carcasses, the general feeling certainly was one of disbelief and unreality. Um, Who would believe that in 1957 that the health authorities would allow such conditions of, like, their food at a butcher? Mm -hmm. Um, They peered in another house, and it had green smeary windows, and it also appeared like no one was living in there. Yeah. The walls had been crudely whitewashed, but the rooms were empty. The boys could see no possessions, no furniture, and they thought the rooms themselves appeared to not be of modern-day quality. So now they're getting a little freaked out. Uh-huh. They're a little spooked. They turned back and hurried out of the weird, strange, gross village. The track, <laughs> the track uh, climbed a small hill, and they did not turn back until they reached Zitap. Then one of the three remembered. Suddenly, we could hear the bells once more and saw the smoke rising from chimneys. None of the chimneys were smoking when they were there in the town. We ran for a few hundred yards as if to shake off the weird feeling. So they leave and then they notice, oh, like sounds return to the place we were just in that had zero sound. Mm -hmm. And now there is smoke. People like, you know, that is you assume that people are there. Mm -hmm. But when they were there, it was a ghost town. What happened to the three of them on that October morning more than 50 years ago remains like a total mystery. They were taking part in a map reading exercise that should have been straightforward the idea was for them to navigate four or five miles to a designated point and then return back and tell their commanding officer, this is what we saw. And they go, yep, that was where you're supposed to go. Good job. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more they thought about it, the more the cadets wondered whether something strange had occurred. Years later, William Lang, the Scottish boy who led the group, put it this way. It was a ghost village, so to speak. It was almost as if we had walked back in time. I experienced an overwhelming feeling of sadness and depression in Kersey. That's the name of the town. But also a feeling of unfriendliness and unseen watchers, which sent shivers up my back. I wondered if we'd knocked at a door to ask a question, who might have answered? It doesn't bear thinking about. Creepy. Mm. It's just really weird. Lang, who came from Perthshire and Highlands of Scotland, was a stranger to this part of the east of England. So were his friends Michael Crowley and Ray Baker. That was the point. All three were 15. They had only recently signed up to join the Royal Navy. That made it easy for the petty officers in charge of their training to confirm that they had reached the village they were supposed to find just by checking their descriptions. Mm -hmm. As it was, their superiors, Lang, were called. uh, They were, like, really skeptical when Mm -hmm. they told them of their weird-ass town, walk-in, ghost, whatever experience. But they laughed it off and said, whatever, you've seen Kersey, you nailed it, good job, A+. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Um, then fast forward to the 1980s when Lang and Crowley by then were both in Australia. They talked by phone and chewed over the incident. So it's been a ton of time has passed and they like cross paths and were like, we should talk about this. Um, Lang had always been troubled by it. Crowley, um, it emerged, did not remember it in as much detail as his old friend, but he did think something strange had happened. He then recalled the silence, the lack of streetlights, and the weird butcher shop. That was enough to make Lang write and author uh, the book. Um, oh, no, sorry, to write the author of a book he'd read, Andrew McKenzie, a leading member of the Society for, uh, I hate this word, Psychical Research. I can't even say research. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> Mackenzie was intrigued by Bill Lang's letter and recognized that it might describe a case of retrocognition. So he reached out to this guy who's like the dude to talk to about these things. And he thinks this is what they experienced. Okay. The SPR term for what we would call a time slip case. <laughs> Looking at the details, he thought it was possible that the three cadets had seen Kersey not as it was in 57, but as it was centuries earlier. A long correspondence between him and Ling. They exchanged letters for two years and a foray into local libraries with the help of historian from Kersey confirmed to them that it was a time slip. In 1990, okay. Lang flew to England, and the two men walked through the village to relive the experience. What makes this case really interesting is that retrocognition is probably the rarest type of phenomenon for, like, time slips. Hmm, there have okay. um, only ever been a handful of these cases. Um, one of them is one I will talk about earlier, or, or later. It, we talked about it earlier. I'll talk mm-hmm. about it in this podcast later. It's a fun one. I like it also. It's a little shorter. Um Equally creepy. Um, Mackenzie's research into Kersey incident led him to some conclusions, uh, and he featured it in the lead case in a book he published about retrocognition. It's called Adventures in Time. Several factors led him to conclude that the cadets had experienced something that was genuine, and he believed this because Lang was super sincere about everything that they had talked about over those two years. Like, why would he make this up for two years? That's pretty crazy, you know? Like, yeah. he's not, what, he doesn't have anything to gain from it, really. Um, and his friend, Crawley, the other boy, Ray Baker, he, they reached out to him, but he didn't remember anything about this experience, which is also, in a way, kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, the detail of their, like, memories, um, all of it led, like, him to just really believe these now men, but when they were younger, they were boys. Among the details that impressed Mackenzie most was the realization that the house that Lang had identified as a butcher's shop, which was a private res- uh, residence in 57, okay, remained one when Kersey was revisited in 1990, dated to about 1350, had actually been a butcher's shop in 1790. So what I'm trying to say is Jesus. it was okay. a residence forever. And the last time... Um, Really, it was a butcher shop. It's like we're talking 1700s. Mm-hmm. So he saw a butcher shop. So that means we're like at least going back to that point. Um, the author was also struck by the suggestive fact that the season seemed to change as the cadets entered the village. Kind of cool. Mm. Um, then there was okay. the puzzle of the village church. Lang noticed that the party had not seen it after they descended into the village and the silence fell. Indeed, he explicitly recalled that there is no sign of a church. I would certainly have seen it as I had a field observation of 360 degrees, said Crowley. And he said there was no church, no pub, all of which seem hard to explain since St. Mary's in Kersey dates to the 14th century and is a principal landmark in the district. It's super visible. Mackenzie, based, uh, basing his case on the history of St. Mary's, interpreted that this anomaly of them not seeing a church was evidence to help pinpoint the likely date that they maybe time slipped to. So the construction of the oh. tower was halted by the Black Death in 1348 to 1349, which killed half of everybody in Kersey. And Mackenzie concluded that the cadets might have seen it as it was in the aftermath of the plague when the shell of half of the constructed church was hidden by trees. So they think that they were possibly there, sometime as their guests, around 1420. Weird. That is crazy. Yeah. I mean, and there's all kinds of people that, like, 
they argue this and they say like, oh, like one of the three guys didn't remember it. And all it takes is one person to think something is off. And then that's why the other guy jumped in on it. Sure, whatever. Maybe that's a thing. And there's other people that argue like, oh, I don't know. That um, like, oh, it was a quiet day there. Or this is a town even though it, um, even though it, it, it was modern when you guys visited it. But mm-hmm. it's always looked old school. Yeah. And one other person said that, okay, yeah, you didn't see telephone lines. And that's because, um, I think, it, I don't remember what the date was, but it was in the 1900s. They had the, the lines put underground. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's why you didn't see them. So it's like, sure, that's fine. But why was no one there? Why the lack of sound? That's weird. I don't know. Why would the, why would the time of year change? And why would the sound go back after you left? And I don't think it means anything that the third person didn't see anything. Maybe they just, they didn't. Why do, mm-hmm. why does everyone have to see a time slip? I don't, I don't think that's like a, one of the rules in the rule book of time slips. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what? oh, like, you're right. It had to be three of three or nothing happened. No, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's fine if the other guy didn't. That doesn't mean they're liars. Mm-mm. Have you heard of the story of the man of, from Tered? Oh, my goodness. No, I haven't. So this is kind of an online urban legend, but it's also turned into a novel by mm. someone named Brian Alaspa. But I want to give you a little bit of a little bit of info. Well, what info? Can, can I tell you a story? I would love that. Okay. I love stories. So, again, this is like an urban legend, but this is also one of those things that... Like Slenderman could end up actually being real. Nobody knows. Because he might be. He might be. So the urban legend says that this took place sometime in the 1950s when security and air travel was nothing like it is today. A better time. (laughs) So, in fact, security itself might have been a little more than lax. It also supposedly took place in the city of Tokyo. So, of course, uh, Tokyo in the 50s would be post-war and would probably still be recovering. In the 50s, there would be a general lack of Uh, Jet airliners and overseas flying to places like Japan uh, would be vastly different and more unique than it is today. So the urban legend says that a man entered the customs area of Tokyo's airport and immediately presented a passport and ID. He also stated that he was visiting Tokyo on business and stated that the company that he worked, uh, stated the company he worked for, but then stated he was visiting from the faraway land of Tored, T-A-U-R-E-D. T-A-U-R. So like toe. Tored? Tored? I'm just going to say Tored. I'm okay with it. Um, so, of course, this baffled the customs guys because they're like, mm, what is this place? This doesn't exist. <laughs> the man was baffled. Uh, sure, somebody must have been playing a joke because they're like, this. he's like, this is my country. His passport was legit and it said Tored. His driver's license was issued by the country of Tored. The problem is, obviously, this doesn't exist. Hmm? Weird. So they ushered the man into a room. The man was now freaking out. He claimed that Tered had been around for more than 1,000 years. That would be horrible. You're like, I'm from, what am I doing? (laughs) It was large, productive, and a world power of a country. He had stated that he had made the trip from Tered to Tokyo many times before this on business and had, this had never happened before and he was clearly very scared. The security team did a check. They called the company he said he was from. Sure enough, they had an office in Tokyo, but 
no office in a place they called to red and no one by the man's name was working for them. So these guys produced a map of the world and asked the man to point out where to red was from. At least they thought enough to do that. Okay. The man was dismayed when he couldn't find the country on the map and pointed to a oh, spot no. which was in this dimension part of Spain. Unable to figure out a solution, the security guys set, got the man a hotel room and they said he would they would figure this out in the morning. However, by morning, the man was gone. His luggage was gone. His room did not look lived in. His bed did not look slept in, and the bathroom did not look as if anyone had used it. He had mysteriously vanished as he had come into their existence. Gross. <laughs> when was that place last a country? Did it say? It's never been a country. Ever. Wait, oh, ever. Ever. I thought this it was like a existed. Transylvania, like now no. Romania kind of thing. No, this did not exist. <sighs> but he spoke. They understood each other. They understood each other. So this must be like not maybe like a partial time slip, partial like. Um, this is a dimension dimension slip, slip something like a parallel universe yeah. because he lives in a place that's on this planet because mm-hmm. he could point to where he was from mm-hmm. but he so was it's not like, like he's from a different planet and he knows but he knows what tokyo is mm-hmm. so that's really weird too yeah so there's similarities so he lives in a world that somebody else like conquered spain mm-hmm. oh so, oh, or like man. the north part of Spain has not been part of like Spain and France, but instead it's like Tourette. That's weird. Oh my God, I'm from the north of Spain. My family's from the north of Spain. Maybe I'm Maybe from Tourette. Makes so much Ooh. sense. Ooh. That's amazing. I would love to know if that, it'd be so cool if the name of that country is somebody's like, like last name or so you could be like oh this is this makes sense this guy was like you know a warlord or something and he (laughs) this like kind of checks like he did have a fight with a group of people that he lost and Mm -hmm. it became this later on you know that would be weird it could be complete bullshit it could be something that's like just internet folklore but i love it i love it anyway i don't care i believe in it Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. believe you, man. <laughs> I believe you, Kanza. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I did look up a way to do to help induce time slips, but it's really complicated. Like it, it gets into math that is above our pay grade. It's deeper science than we understand. It's like <laughs> oh, science no. math, and we only mm-hmm. do just science. We just do science. So, well, but what I'll case. do is I will include that. It's a PDF, so you guys can just look if you at want it. Time slip your sweet little tushes into another time and tell okay. us how it goes. Let us know. Go to the future. Tell us how big we get. You know what I'm saying? How <laughs> does this podcast take off? Like apparently, a big part of it. This person recommends performing some heart math exercise of unconditional love it sounds nice but it's fucking complicated and it's math that i don't understand so how dare they make heart science complicated (laughs) (laughs) anyway i'll make sure to include that uh episode description so you guys can just uh enjoy that and time slip to your heart content so i want to talk about one more yes this is also a famous one this is the last one, guys, so All enjoy. Right. I When I read this one, 
Mm. <laughs> I oh my wine is warm. Oh, uh, uh, oh wildlife. Oh, wildlife. When I read this, <laughs> I I replaced these two ladies like because <laughs> when I read things, I don't know who else does this. Probably a lot of people. I like really really visualize when I'm reading. So like if I want to, if I'm reading a book, I can read super fast. Brag. Mm-hmm. But yes. I don't if I like the book. Because I, like, play it in my mind as a movie as I do uh-huh. it. Yeah. So I go slower because it takes longer. Instead of just reading, like, she picked up the book, I'm, like, watching them in my in my brain walk and go pick <laughs> up the book, you know? I totally understand that. So as I read this and I'm doing that, I imagine these two ladies as us. <gasps> You're telling a story of us? Okay, guys, yeah. this is our origin story. Okay, listen up. I'm really excited. <laughs> I this didn't even was. know this. This is happening. I also appreciate that they're very well-educated academics. Clearly we are. Always. Obviously. As we just said, we don't know <laughs> math science. <laughs> okay, Ooh. so the, that's like heart, heart... What do they call it? Heart? We know heart science. We just don't know. We don't complicate heart, it with no. numbers. Okay, well, we know heart science. This is heart math. That's why we mm-hmm. don't know we it. We know heart science. <laughs> Continue our, right, right. our origin story. The Versailles time slip. This is a very, as I said, famous slash famous one. Well, it makes sense. It's from Italia. It's the so <laughs> Let's journey, shall we all, back to August 10th, 1901. Charlotte Moberly and Eleanor Jourdain, also known as Erica and Liana, visited <laughs> the Palace of Versailles and its gardens. Aw, Moberly was president of Oxford St. Hugh's College while Jordan was her assistant. In my mind, we're both professors. By the way, you're Charlotte. I'm Eleanor. I'm like all about this. All right. I'll be the president. I'll yell at people. I feel very good about that. See, this is this actually all works out. I love a good yelling. Um, <laughs> it's very cathartic. <laughs> According to our story, the mm-hmm. palace didn't impress either of us. Gross. Of course it did not. Disgusting. Unimpressed. <laughs> and the person who wrote this article said they didn't get impressed by it either when they visited the Palace of Versailles. <laughs> so they agreed. <laughs> the Palace um, of, I cannot say this, Heronshimsi, built by Ludwig II in Bavaria. They said it's a copy of Versailles and it's way oh. nicer, but she says I digress. Um, the women, us, decided to head off to see the two on palaces in the gardens instead they were like let's see this it must be better the i want to see nature naturally. the stretch of gardens between the main gardens and the smaller palaces wow i can't talk palaces palaces is a bit of a jumble i'd imagine the signage was less helpful in 1901 also the Rude. grand trianon was closed for the day so we decided to visit the petite Trianon instead. Okay. This gorgeous little building was Marie Antoinette's private palace and in a lot of ways is a lot nicer than the main building, which checks out. She was mm-hmm. all about opulence and extravaganza, so of course it's going to look prettier. She had her mark on it. While searching for the petite Trianon, they passed a small cottage and a farmhouse. It's at this point that it all starts to get a bit weird. According to the book they wrote in 1911, we saw a, <laughs> saw a range of men, oh my goodness, in different oh. period costumes in the garden. <laughs> a man in a sombrero showed them the way to the palace, and Moberly spotted out. an elegant woman sketching 
the petite Trianon. Jordan didn't see her, but Moberly, you, claims she later recognized the woman when she saw a particular portrait of Marie Antoinette. Cool. The women us revisited Versailles many times over the years, but the things they remembered from the gardens were no longer there, poof, gone, disappeared. Even worse, instead of the quiet gardens and the weird atmosphere, they kept having to contend with tourists on each visit. Rude. They never managed to recreate the experience. Um, over the years, everybody tried to discredit their story, particularly due to their claim of seeing Marie Antoinette. Moberly continued to have paranormal experience throughout her life, and Jordane, your girl, died in mysterious circumstances in 1924. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, I'll tell you what happened. I faked my death and I left. Bear in mind, these are professional <laughs> academic women, okay? Jordane was a vicar's daughter. Like, they're not just, you know. Joe Schmoes. Yeah, like, they had a little bit of, like, uh, credit behind their name. We're obviously the educated. Doesn't matter if you don't for me and you. I nope. believe, and you yep. believe, we believe everybody. We we make Fox Mulder look like a skeptic, okay? Like, he's skeptic, we're not. Yeah. That's how much we believe. He feels like he needs to prove stuff. I'm like, I yeah. feel like you need to prove stuff didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take that, Fox. Whatever. Sexy mings you. <laughs> <laughs> cool, I like our origin story. Right? <laughs> so, the society uh, for, I hate this word, it's, it's, I just can't say it. I'm done. S SPR. That's what it's abbreviated as. I cool. know that. Um, they reviewed their book. It was called An Adventure. And Eleanor Mildred Sidgwick thought they'd simply misinterpreted ordinary uh, events. So <sighs> ladies versus ladies trying to put each other down. This Mildred, Eleanor, whatever character, didn't believe him. And the ghost of the Trianon, Michael Coleman, analyzed different editions of the book. He noticed that later editions contained descriptions that grew a little more fantastical after they conducted research into the palace and the time period. Hmm. Um, whatever. I mean, I don't think because your story sometimes grows more grand over time that makes you a liar. Because I also, especially for women back in this time period, I could see them trying to downplay it because they want people to believe them. And yep. they know between each other that what we actually saw was crazier than what it was but mm -hmm. why would we say that because there's even like less more like no one will believe us anyway so mm -hmm. why tell them the full truth right yeah that makes sense to me so i don't think that means just because there was like crazier detail later that they're liars right i agree with this in like that in some cases i'll definitely then. say in some cases like last week i'll definitely be like okay well you got kind of older and it became kind of like the i caught like a 15 inch fish when it was really like a two inch fish sure however back in the time like you're saying like women were not believed about anything like if you got warm it's like oh you're you've got the vapors so yeah you, you're Let's delicate get you a fainting like, couch ASAP. jesus christ it's just hot <laughs> and i'm wearing yeah, something that's squishing down. my insides yeah so i mean I don't, I don't think that discredits them. So this is the one thing that people do argue against us. Um, <laughs> I don't like that. I almost don't Me even either. want you to read it, but okay, fine. <laughs> Philippe Julien explained that the French poet Robert de Montesquieu held elaborate parties at Versailles. Oh, my goodness. His guests often wore period costume. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Julien claimed that Moberly and Jordan had encountered one such party. 
So they had met Marie Antoinette that day, just not the Marie Antoinette, someone in costume for this Philippe Julien's French poet Robert Montesquieu party. That guy is mansplaining about you know, our experience. You're right. So you know what? I don't even want you to continue because he's wrong. I agree. This is the other argument which really, really bothers me is that they were per- like they're hallucinating. Why would they hallucinate? Oh, because it was mm, 32 degrees Celsius in the shade. So they're saying like, hey, soup's hot. They probably were just seeing really odd things. They're delicate women. Mm hmm. Exactly. And, and then add in the like charged atmosphere of a French palace into the mix. You see all kinds of things. Excuse Excuse me? Oh, that makes my eyes cross. I'm so irritated by that. So to undo the anger, I'll end with this. 1903, uh-huh. someone found an old map of the Trianon Gardens. Okay. It showed the bridge that we had talked about. Mm-hmm. A bridge that didn't exist in 1901 and that wasn't featured on any other map that they could have seen. So How did they know it was there? Dak. Okay, good. <laughs> I feel better about that. What do you think about them apples, Montesquieu? Yeah, I guess technically he shouldn't. It's the guy who said he had the party. Whatever. I'm down with Montesquieu parties. I've come I around. I don't, even, I don't even remember that guy's name. Hey, you know what? All them haters, get out of town. I believe in time slips. I sincerely hope that I never experience one in this timeline that I am existing in right now. Well, what you said doesn't save you from that because you would experience it in a different timeline. I do not want to experience it in this current celestial body that I am inhabiting right <laughs> yeah, now. I understand. Is that safe? Like, I, I feel so. like I gotta, I gotta save myself. So part of my, like, thing since forever, since, like, probably freshman year, maybe earlier... I might have talked about this before that like I'm not OCD everyone throws that around but I do have like some really weird specific things that I have to do and one of them is when I think thoughts like you just did where it's Mm -hmm. like I don't want to do this I have to how I just corrected you I do that to myself like all the time I actually do something very similar. I consider everything I say to be spoken to a genie who's going to screw me over. Dude, exactly. Exactly. When you said, uh, no, well, then that means the blah, blah. I was like, holy shit, she's totally right. I got to correct this. Like, where does that come from? And Uh, I'm not kidding when I say. Probably from Aladdin. I do that every day where I'm like, oh, like, I wish, like, I, like, would feel better tomorrow. And I'm like, I don't mean like by feel better that like I die and now I'm not here. So I feel nothing anymore. I mean, like I'm still alive and I feel better because this thing is now like gone from me and I'm okay. And I'm here and I like have a great dinner tomorrow and we like rent a movie. Everything's great. I'm like, oh, I do the same thing. Do you guys do the same thing? Listeners, do you guys do the same thing? The fact that you even bring this up is really weird. It's neurotic. I don't know what you call that. It's not... It's it's like an obsessive thing because I've done it for too many years where it's like it's staying. Ever <laughs> since I learned about the devious ways of like, genies or gins, like gin, I'm yeah. like, no, I got to make sure that I am very I'm specific and about like, my wants and needs. <laughs> there's no, no one, there's no genie that I'm talking to. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any connections with a gin. 
Like, no, there is, I, I wish I did because I would no. be fully prepared to Honestly, say it Honestly, I don't think I want that. I don't I feel, think I do. I feel confident. No, I still feel like it would be a bad relationship. I don't, I don't want. That's I don't my want box that. wine filling up. It's not me peeing, guys. I have like less than half a bottle. I've had a lot well, of wine I don't know tonight. how much I've had. I have a box. <laughs> Save some for when I get I will. there. I will. I will. I will. I will. It's very full. I'm very serious. It's like six bottles, dude. Yeah, that's like six days away. No. I don't know how crazy you get without me. No. We're we're recording this ahead of time, so rest I assured. Know. Okay. But anyway, genies and gins and and stuff like that. Yeah. Like let me say, like, I truly do that. More than once a day, it feels like. Like, I, I really do it a lot. And now that I, and like, an, it's constant. Like, if I say something or even think it sometimes, like, if one of the pups is like, had an accident or something happens and I never get mad at them, but I'm like tired and I think like, ah, oh, farts, like, I wish you would stop doing that. And I'm like, no, no, I don't mean that. Do it as much as you want. You're fine. I love you. I don't want anything to happen to you. Please don't take my puppy away. <laughs> I Honestly, don't mean it. I did the same thing the other day because, like, I found out that some, like, asshole governor got COVID. And I was like, good. I hope it happens to someone else. And I was like, you know what? No, I don't. No, no I don't. No, I'm what sorry. if I know that I'm person? I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I thought that. Uh, yeah. I take that back. I'm taking that back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, uh, I don't mean that. It's like, how hard on myself do I have to be? It's, this is insane. <laughs> I And then I'll be like, I know I'm a good person. I know when I said that what I mean, even if it can be misconstrued. And no one's here to misconstrue it. What am I doing? No, no, private school messed me up. Dude, I didn't even go to private school. I went to public school. I went to hippie oh, no. hippie Maybe public that's school. Why. Not even like Maybe normal hip- public school. I don't know. Uh, you know what we gotta do? We gotta spin for and next week. I'm excited and nervous. So play that ditty. Okay, I have what we're doing. Okay, what are we doing? I just got wine on my hand. I really like it. Okay, what are we doing? So this is one that will be us finding stories. And I guess this one also can be like maybe there is like an origin story to like where this mm, started all what right is, what are you saying we will be talking about okay. monsters uh-huh that are under the bed what the fuck where did this even come from my mind you just add <laughs> monsters shit. under the bed creepy things i will also allow monsters who dwell in closets what about like under stairs Mm, I'll allow. <laughs> what about attics? Uh, come on, bro. Nope, they're not under it. What if they're like under the roof? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Under bed, I will allow under stairs, and I will only allow in closet because it is in the vicinity of said bed. Okay. And they may go from the closet to the bed. Or bed to closet. Oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> I'm excited. Okay. Monster stories. If you guys have monster stories from. Who does not? If you guys watch Drop Dead Fred, you know that you are always scared for things to reach from under your pillow, behind your bed, and touch you. Like I am. That's inappropriate. 
Fred was inappropriate. <laughs> Fred was so inappropriate. I can't believe it was like considered a kids movie. God, that movie is so good. Um, yeah. I mean, you know what we're talking about. We're all scared to hang our foot over the bed. Mm. Even it though it's hot. Grabbed. It is so hot here. It is like 92 yeah, degrees You can't outside. do it. Something will grab you. I'll wake up I sometimes so and my afraid. arm is like hanging off the bed like straight. And I'm like, oh, mm. bring that bring that girl back. Get back in here, girl. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, well, join us next week when we talk about monsters under our bed stairs or closets in our closets mm-hmm. not under our closets mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. makes no sense i guess maybe if you've got a maybe. secret box under your closet. closet ew oh my god can you imagine that Ugh. also please enjoy this advertisement with date with dateline they are another podcast that does some true crime stuff they're really fun check it out diabolical vengeance betrayal bad hair leaning Hi, everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And we have a weekly podcast called A Date with Dateline, a recap of Dateline episodes. We talk about important issues like grainy surveillance footage, cell phone towers, Andrea Canning's white jeans, and Mankey's hankies. We delve into the details of any victim who's ever loved life or lit up a room. So find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and iTunes to make A Date with Dateline. And remember, don't watch alone. A Date with Dateline is a podcast hosted by two professional amateur true crime TV experts with no formal training, but evidence lockers filled with snark and uninformed opinions. Okay, guys. Thank you for joining us. This is the Night Guys podcast. I'm Liana. I'm Erica. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.